now the podcast starts. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to the podcast where mostly we talk about horror. Sometimes we talk about other things, and sometimes we swear. This is T.D. Velasquez, but as ever, you can call me Dan. Now, today's going to be one of those episodes where we're talking about something other than horror again. It's a follow-up to our discussion about the Star Wars movies and specifically Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee's involvement in them uh, a few episodes back. I thought it'd be nice for us to have an update chat about the movies in the series that have been made since we had that first discussion back in 2017. And although Howard was unable to join us for the discussion, I was able to recall Sean Mason and also bring in one of our other favourite occasional guests, Spider Dan of the Spider Dan and the Secret Wars podcast. So what we're going to do in today's discussion is mainly discuss the Star Wars movies released since our previous recording specifically that is 2017's The Last Jedi written and directed by Ryan Johnson a rather controversial and somewhat tragic uh, movie as it did feature Carrie Fisher's last performance on screen as she died after the movie finished shooting but before it was released just a few months later a movie was released called Solo A Star Wars Story a movie which told the backstory of the character of Han Solo played in the main Star Wars movies by Harrison Ford but in this prequel film uh, portrayed by the young actor Aaron Ehrenreich and it was written by Jonathan and Lawrence Kasdan and originally directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller who were replaced during shooting by Ron Howard. That's a movie I've never seen actually but Sean and Dan have plenty to say about it. And then in 2019 we had the final movie in what's become known as the Skywalker Saga the Rise of Skywalker, which was written by Chris Terrio and J.J. Abrams and directed by J.J. Abrams, another movie which was divisive among fans and audiences in a number of ways which we'll get into. Um, early in the discussion though we do start by talking about the one Star Wars movie featuring Christopher Lee which I hadn't seen at the time of our previous recording. This was 2008's animated movie Star Wars The Clone Wars directed by Dave Filoni and based on a story by George Lucas and a number of other writers. All of these movies are of course based on characters and concepts originally created by George Lucas and all of these movies are in fact now available to view on Disney Plus, the streaming service which didn't even exist at the time of our previous recording. So that's where the discussion's going to start. Um, We didn't have time to take in the many developments in the Star Wars universe that have happened on television and on streaming since our previous recording. Maybe we'll come back to that in future. This discussion is really just about the movies that were released. Oh, just a quick note, as I record this, we've got COVID in the house. And actually, when we recorded the main discussion a few weeks ago, Sean had COVID. I'm not saying that he gave it to us. It can be transmitted um, down a Zoom link, as far as I'm aware. However, if anybody tells you that COVID is over, well, it isn't. It's just much more manageable. 
Okay, so let's go back in time a few weeks and join Sean and Spider Dan to talk all things recent Star Wars. So, we are very lucky once again to have the marvellous Sean Mason with us. Hello, Sean. Hello there, as as Obi-Wan would say. Beautiful, sir. Um, And also... Just to, to mark about how, how different time was when we recorded before, in 2017, there wasn't even a Spider-Dan and the Secret Wars podcast. There was not. <laughs> the dark times they were. <laughs> Thank you very much. But therefore, who better to step in now and and be our third uh, panellist than Spider-Dan himself? Hello, sir, and welcome back to And Now the Podcast Starts. It's always a pleasure. Yes, it's been a while since uh, the Black Cat, I think, uh, that we did a while back. Um, yes, thank you for having me, and uh, uh, I love spending time with Sean. Sean's been on my podcast, you've been on my podcast, and it feels like coming back home again to a nice, uh, cosy family, uh, not unlike a, a certain holiday special I covered on the podcast not so long ago. <laughs> uh, that will be interesting. <laughs> I, I've still never had the, the, the guts to watch the Star Wars Holiday Special. Um, and obviously something that's happened since we recorded before uh, is uh, COVID itself. In fact, without COVID, I would arguably not ever have started a proper podcast because it was only the lockdown which made me and Kirsty and Stella have the time to actually launch it properly. Um, and sadly, Sean, uh, you're, you're suffering right now, aren't you? Yeah, well, I, I've i managed to somehow get it again, which is, I started the year with it, and I'm ending the year with it. The bit in the middle was fine. It's very, it's very <laughs> mild. Uh, I've, you know, I'm vaccinated and all that stuff, and been very lucky, really. Okay, so let's rewind then to our the end of our, our, our earlier discussion. So, um... Obviously, it was a boom moment for the Lee Cushing podcast and Star Wars in that Rogue One had just been released. Peter Cushing had been digitally resurrected. I wonder if that will ever happen again. Um, We talked a bit about... um, Obviously, the the discussion was focused on the Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing contributions to Star Wars, um, including the bit I hadn't seen at the time, which was the Clone Wars animated movie, which Christopher Lee is a voice in. Kidnapped. Jabba the Hutt's son has been. Negotiate the treaty with Jabba. Obi-Wan will. Find the renegades that hold Jabba's son. Your mission will be Skywalker. Soon the Jedi will not only be at war with you, Count, but the Hutt clan as well. Good. Good. Everything is going as planned. They have nowhere to run. I've now watched that, thanks to to uh, Disney Plus. Isn't it great to have everything in one place? Um, and um, uh, yeah, that's a thing that exists, um, and, and, and uh, I, I'm glad it does. 
Um, but it's like uh, the non-authentic voice actors, uh, who basically everybody in the film, apart from Christopher Lee and Samuel L. Jackson, they're all fine. So it's, I think on this trailer said uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Christopher Lee didn't get the memo that they didn't have to turn up to this one. And I, I kind of thought, yeah, everybody's really good. They really didn't need to be there. Um because you don't notice that, that none of the other voices are not the original people, really. Yeah, like, um, the Anakin voice is arguably better than Hayden Christensen was yeah, at the time, for instance. Um, I still haven't watched the whole series, though. Oh, do. It, it gets so good. The early stuff, yeah, is probably aimed a little younger, but it, it genuinely gets really good, particularly a couple of seasons in and and the last when they went back and did the unfinished episodes for Disney Plus there's there's some fantastic Star Wars storytelling in there and some really quite dark it is well worth checking out uh, when you say the unfinished episodes what does that mean uh, so clone wars was in production before the disney buyout and it sort of finished mid season no it finished on season 5 but they'd started production on another season half of which was finished and that got released on blu-ray everywhere but the UK uh, which was really annoying but then got then those episodes were released on Disney plus but other story arcs that were quite important and particularly finished off the Ahsoka Tano character arc. They they went back and they they completed the big unfinished story arcs and released those as well. Um, and, okay. and they're really really good. Um, I must say I I want to watch them because we've we've now got sadly for me um, my main feeling about about all modern Star Wars good and bad. You know I I enjoy different parts of it is, okay, so we've now entered the, the post-Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee era, but of course the animated series mm. do have um, you know, Darth Sidious, they do have Tarkin appearing. Is Tarkin in Rebels? Tarkin's in Rebels, yeah. Yeah, so so I do want to watch those to enjoy those characters and, and, and get a, a hint of um, those worlds. I think we will talk going forward about... Um, you know, the kind of actors and characters that more modern Star Wars has started to bring in to kind of fill the gap left by the passing of that generation of British thesps, which were very much a part of the fabric of the whole thing to me. And it's it's in a different space now. I think Tarkin's also in The Bad Batch. I can't remember. Oh. He's certainly going to turn up if, if he hasn't already. Right, okay. So just for my understanding... The Clone Wars show is obviously set between episode two and three. Is that that right? Yes, correct. And then Rebels, is that set between three and four? Where where does that come in? It's about a year before uh, A New Hope. It certainly starts, it kind of builds, it almost goes up to Rogue One. It's kind of happening at the same time. There's some crossover with some of the plot threads that would lead into Rogue One as well. So, um, okay. That's, and uh, whilst also, ty- like, Dave Filoni is kind of uh, 
the heir to to the George Lucas bit, really, because he was heir, no heir's the wrong word. I, kind of like he was kind of the protege of George. Yeah, well, so he there's a wrote lot of connected storytelling. The Clone Wars series, didn't he? And then went on. Obviously, he's been very much involved in the writing of the Mandalorian and and kind of going forward. Um, and he's become beloved by the fans. Um, I think, although the Clone Wars, certainly the movie, were, were not very well received originally, but um, but now he's considered a very trusted you know, holder of the canon. I guess. I think I might have said this when we talked all those years ago in the, the, the last part of this podcast I just don't think the Clone Wars maybe should have been released as a film because mm. it, it's it's a bunch of pilot episodes stitched together Yeah, it set an expectation mm. I think that maybe was unfair on it so it wasn't being judged on its own merits and also it kind of was obviously there had been the droids and the Ewoks cartoons but Nothing to this extent, I think, had really been um, as an extended piece of storytelling tying directly into the films hadn't really been attempted before. Um, those, like the Droids and the Ewoks cartoons, are very much their own thing, really. Um, so mm. I think it just had a weight of expectation, but that it couldn't match. But it 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 developed and it and it built, and it is lovely stuff. Oh, nice. Um, I I feel like in a way uh, it, it it it's tempting to stick talking about this side of the of the canon because of the the enthusiasm which I'm getting from you guys. But we do have to consider some of of the more controversial movies that came out following our our last podcast. Shortly, just a few months or weeks, maybe even after we recorded Last Jedi came out, which of course was the most universally beloved movie of all time, um, I think. Um, uh, or I might be getting mixed up with Paddington too. But um, anyway, here's a movie from 2017. When I found you, I saw raw untamed power and beyond that something truly special something inside me has always been there
going to go the way you think. Sean, uh, The Last Jedi, it is um, a, uh, it's an understatement to say that it polarised fans. Um, I was myself polarised. I, I felt it tore me in two. I, I really liked quite a lot of it, but the things in it I, I found uh, daft. Um, where did you come on The Last Jedi? I was one of those people who was very much a fan of it. I thought it um, it was a movie that picked apart Star Wars, but loved it. Like I think a lot of people were put off by the let the past die and all that stuff in the trailer, and and it's like people have forgotten that if if a character says something at the start of a film characters can change and it might not be how they fit it's like everyone was instantly took a a feeling of it and um and and they decided they were gonna love it or hate it before they went in and instead of actually judging on its own merits obviously i know it's not true of everyone but i think broadly like the way the and i'm very aware that we're, we're doing a podcast and we're contributing to that discourse um, but it got so toxic, I think, because the internet has created this world where people were making their fan theory, theory videos, and and if it didn't exactly match what they expected, it was somehow bad storytelling. And it's like, no, just let them tell the story they want to tell. Um, and yeah, no, I I really liked it. I think. It, it all works for me. I, I know that not everyone agrees. <laughs> yes. Well, um, I I hear what you're saying, Sean, and don't worry. Um, even though we are open to critical thoughts here, um, I have no uh, desire to add to the kind of the broiling hatred that you can get from any corner of the internet. Um, there's, there's, there's more than enough of that in the world. So um, reasonable, intelligent and warm takes uh, uh, what it's all about. Um, I, I really enjoyed that movie. I saw it twice at the cinema. That's how much I enjoyed it. You know, I don't, I, I don't do that with very many films. Uh, I, do, I do think it was kind of madly flawed. It's like, I think it, it, it it's kind of, it became a cliche to talk about how it subverted expectations, which it did, and to some extent that was good. Um, but then um, it, it took it, it took a, a number of things too far. Like for instance, I thought it was good and uh, an all right, a reasonable idea to do a movie about, you know, the the rebellion on the run, um, uh, really being overwhelmed. Um, and not doing very well. That's what happened in The Empire Strikes Back, and that, that was fantastic. Um, on the other hand, having uh, the Rebellion kind of losing to the extent that by the end of the movie there's one ship with about 40 people on it left, and that's the entire Rebellion. I thought, 
yeah, it might be going a bit far. I don't know how they're going to come back from this. And um, how they came back is, of course, something that we all find out a couple of years later. Uh, what did you think of the movie, Dan? Uh, controversially, uh, I loved it. Okay. Uh, it's uh i agree very much with sean um you were you're absolutely right it, it um subverted expectations but the second she goes to hand that lightsaber to luke and he casually f- tosses it over his shoulder uh mm. all of my, i was excited because I, I didn't know what was coming next and there was there was a lot of those like you were saying there was a lot of those sequences in the film where it's like, oh, we, we're supposed to think this and we're supposed to believe that. And you're absolutely right with the fan theories. Um, you know, my friend uh, Dan Keaton says sometimes you can get in your own way of enjoying a film. You know, people went in with um, expectations about Batman versus Superman, and that's just not the film that they made or wanted to make. Um, you know, what you have in your head, the idea you have in your head is not necessarily what is going to be on screen. And I think that that line says a lot, um, you know, um, let the past die. It almost is like they're saying it about the franchise, like we're new and cool. Um, but I I, I was, I didn't read that line as that in the trailer. I just read it as that he wants to become Darth Vader and to do that, he needs to kill off his family, kill off that part of him, that side of him. Um, I loved it. I think my main problems with it are the is it Canto Bite or the gambling casino? Yes. That yes. that sequence just didn't make any sense, didn't lead to anything. Um and the other sequence probably the the spaceship just just slightly being too far away from them to get to catch up. Um <laughs> I, I thought yeah. I thought that was maybe a bit of a leap. Uh but I I really enjoyed, you know, again I like the Ray comes from nobody she's not not every jedi has to be blood related to some other jedi i'd never like that idea it mm. doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me they're not mutants or something that you know and the boy with the broom at the end you know i like that because it implies that again you don't have to be related to the forces this un you know whether it's midichlorians or whether it's this unknown you know energy or whatever you want to call it uh, phenomena um, it means that anybody can be a Jedi, and I like I like that message that you know anybody could be the hero. It doesn't matter if you're mm. the lowliest person in the world, you know, a, a kid slave, you know, sweeping the this floor, you know, you can still ascend and be, be special within this galaxy, uh, within some somewhere far away. Uh, I think the lightsaber battles were incredible, uh, especially that scene with uh, Ray and Snoke and all the kind of Imperial guards. Um, mm feel that was great um it, it has a lot of twists and turns um a lot of people have an issue with leia doing the superman thing um i i didn't i no, so, i don't either yeah i i, I think that's within no. a force it's within a force user's ability to move things so why why can't they move themselves i have more issues i will say i have more issues with the following film um, well we'll get to that don't um, worry you know, oh, we will. We'll that will be that interesting in, in the light of your comments mm. um yeah i mean uh, i'm glad that we we are broadly positive on it i mean we don't have time to do to get into deep details but i just want to say that one of the major um sticking points that a lot of haters had was the the treatment of luke skywalker in the movie i thought that was great i don't really know what the blue milk thing was but um, apart from that, 
uh, you know, the characterization of the embittered, uh, you know, hermit version of Luke Skywalker and the way that he kind of gradually relearns uh, his position within the Force and within the universe and, and the, 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 the appearance of Yoda um, and the incredible lightsaber f- fight at the end that isn't a lightsaber fight. I mean, I, I, you know... Um, it's all an illusion. I thought that was wonderful, and and it was it was brilliantly done. And um, you know, it, it it has that magical scene where Luke and Leia meet up at the end, um, which they mm. uh, were thinking about cutting because Carrie Fisher sadly died by then. So they thought, should we restructure the yeah. movie to make the ship explode and she dies? But then they realised, no, but if we do that, we'd have to lose the, the Luke and Leia scene. And mm-hmm. and it's a fantastic uh, moment. Um, yes. Uh, uh, yeah. I will I, say this I as well, Dan. Sorry. Go on. Go on, yeah, Dan. Sorry, Dan, uh, to interrupt you. Uh, I meant to say earlier, um, when I went to see The Last Jedi, it's not very often I feel like this, but it felt like an event. It felt like a big mm-hmm. deal. I don't know why. There was something about it, something in the air that night, or something about the film, but it felt like an event. It was like when I went to see, um, you know, uh, the new, latest Spider-Man film, or uh, or Infi- you know, Infinity War or Endgame. It was like it's this is an event. This is a, mm. a cultural event, um, and yeah, I, I don't know why I felt that way, but I came out of that. I enjoyed it. And, and yeah, that's how I felt at the time. Um, no, I, I agree with you. It felt mm. large. I think it was because The Force Awakens was an event, but it was just Star Wars waking up, uh, so yeah. to speak. Mm-hmm. Whereas this it, this movie was, right, what are we going to do with it? Um, mm. And where is it going to go? And also The Last Jedi, there's just the title, there's something in there that makes you want to know exactly what it means um and uh yeah i i felt huge to me um before we move on to the rise of scar uh, sorry we're not even going to go the next movie would would be solo of course Uh, but before we move on to that is there anything else sean you'd like to say about last jedi before we do yeah um I i think you've both kind of touched on, on on why I think The Last Jedi is great. I think it's a story about legacy and living up to that legacy. Uh, you know, of, of being and the expectation of being a hero and if you've messed up. And I think Luke was only ever going to do that because he's only ever learned from Yoda and Ben when you mess up, you go into, exa- into exile, right? It's, it's what you do. Mm-hmm. And um, that feeling that he he'd let everyone down and that beautiful bit where he does turn up to to inspire people is 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 really lovely and then because that's what the story is about it's about hope and about um standing up to fight so actually i think the fact that the resistance is so devastated by the end is is exciting Mm. because it was also talking about like political stuff that was happening and how we can be quite apathetic about it and until it's too too late right and that's yeah, what the yeah. prequels were about 
the prequels mm-hmm. were about basically how we've got ourselves into the situation that we're in as a species now, um, yes. politically. Um, I was li- I was literally talking about it today, and I was like, George Lucas hates George Bush, uh, and, you know, and all that. <laughs> is you could you could you could boil it down to that the prequels basically if you if you yeah. wanted to, um, but they've always been they've always, like a lot of people are like well, get your politics out of Star Wars. <laughs> Shut up! It's it's literally about fighting fascism <laughs> and has been from day one. Yeah, exactly. Um, but and 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 just to go back to like you're talking about Broom Boy as he's mm. I think referred to, we've all been that kid. We've all and anything that's like a a stick, we've all pretended was a lightsaber, and I thought that was lovely. It was like because that's what these films are. They should inspire us to go out and and have adventures on whatever scale you that that means mm-hmm. to you. Um. Yeah, no, I actually thought it was lovely. I love the fact that it did leave it in a way that it could go anywhere. And then The Rise of Skywalker. Which I like, but I don't love. Uh, Well, we'll get to that. So the next movie in the Star Wars universe that arrived in cinemas will be much easier to talk about because it wasn't as controversial and also... I haven't actually ever been bothered to watch it. It is Solo, a Star Wars story. You're after something. Is it revenge? Money? Or is it something else? You look good. A little rough around the edges, but good. Heard about a job. Big shot gangster putting together crew. I'm a driver. And I'm a flyer. I waited a long time for a shot like this. What do you think? Uh... Well, what do you know? You got a line on a ship? Yeah, I know a guy. He's the best smuggler around. I heard a story about you. I was wondering if it's true. Everything you've heard about me is true. Whoa. <laughs> L3! Let's go with the mean man's face. Who are these guys? If you come with us, you're in this life for good. You might want to buckle up, baby. give you some advice. We assume everyone will betray you and you will never be disappointed. I got a really good feeling about this. Since when do you know how to fly? 190 years old? You look great. Push it. What did you think of that movie, Sean? It always struck me as kind of pointless, the adventures of young uh, Han Solo not being Harrison Ford. I was one of those people who was a bit cold on it. 
right. when it was announced. I was like, do I need this film? But actually, it's fun. It's a romp. It's okay. got some nice character development in it. There's there's a lot of fan service. There's a lot of references to uh, Legends lore. Oh. Um, I think... Um, is Alden? Alden? I can't pronounce his oh, name. Oh, uh, Alden Aaron Reich. I think. Yeah, but he's... I thought he... he he did a great job. Okay. Um, Donald Glover's great as Lando's. Yes. Um, it's it's fun. It if what I said about it at the time was if the Last Jedi is a nutritious five course meal that gave you lots to think about. Solo was like eating cake for breakfast. Both are great fun. You know, you can't do one or the one or the other all the time, right? So, um, yeah, I it, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed okay. it. Um, it's very rewatchable, actually. Oh, okay. So you've enjoyed it multiple times. Yeah, I think because it's, it's not like I, I love Rogue One, but it leads directly into A New Hope. So you want to watch A New Hope straight away. This was the one that felt like an actual standalone Star Wars film. In a way that Rogue One doesn't quite... Like, it is, but it isn't really, because it, it, it leads directly into the next film. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but it, it feels very standalone. And it's... it, And therefore, you can just kind of pop it on. It's... I liked it. Uh, Dan, you were making some approving noises while Sean was speaking. I guess you agree? Broadly, um, I think broadly, I think it. I think it's. Um, I, I, again, I heard about things. There was a lot of trouble on set. They replaced the directors. Um, yeah. There's a lot of issues apparently with tone. Um, I, I, I saw it on Disney Plus. I didn't go out to see it at the cinema. Um, but yeah, again, I kind of think it's fine. It, it doesn't. It doesn't offend my sensibilities. I, I will say some of the kind of the Easter egg stuff. I, I'm I, like I I don't need to know how Han Solo got his dice because I never noticed them in the original film. So I, right. I don't know why we have to learn that particular bit of lore. It doesn't it didn't mean anything because I didn't know it was a thing. So but people made they made a make a big deal about it. I'm like mm-hmm. right okay. I did quite enjoy the idea of. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge as this droid who is literally trying to liberate droids because they're treated like slaves, effectively. Um, and it was quite it's quite humorous, but I kind of also kind of enjoyed that. And mm-hmm. I like that they're kind of poking fun at the the universe and addressing things as well. Um, I think I think um, Lando in it is great. I think he, I think um, he was perfect casting, um, and uh, I think he's yeah. a great actor anyway, a great musician, and. Yeah, I think it's fun. It, it um, yeah. there's. I, I'll be honest. I'm struggling to remember a lot of it. Not not in a bad way. But the just... whole castle run is. Oh brilliant. yes, that's what I wanted to it's, mention. It's, it's it's what like a twenty thirty minute sequence where they go to castle, hmm. and you actually see the castle run happen. Um, and John Powell's score is brilliant. Um, oh, okay. He. Uh, uses John Williams' themes um, sparingly, but like he he 
Um, like John Williams came in, wrote a theme for Han. John mm. Powell uses it in lots of different variations and created loads of character themes. And then there's this bit where the score cue is called Reminiscence Therapy, where it's like a Star Wars best of, where during the castle run, um, all these, like, the the, tight, the Death Star escape music comes in and the asteroid escape. It's it's beautiful. It's, it's a wonderful... It's just fun, exciting sequence. And um, the score is is really good. Right, okay. I, I love that because... Um, uh, yeah, the, the John Williams music is one of the defining things about Star Wars. I mean, obviously... Uh, now that we've moved beyond him writing everything, it's very interesting the choices that are being made in the different Star Wars properties musically. And um, John Powell, I seem to remember, he scored uh, John Woo's Face Off many years ago. I remember he did, finding yes. that a muscular score. Um, I don't think I've seen anything else that he did. Oh, that's a great, yeah, that is a great score. Okay, cool. Um, well, that's that's the the most invigorated I've I've ever been made to feel about the prospect of watching Solo. So, thank you very much for that. And again, you know, ev- everyone's mileage varies. Mm-hmm. Um, what what? But I I I it was fun. Yeah. What what okay. I'd say about it is it's kind of like within the MCU. It's like an Ant Man. It's okay. you know it's yeah yeah. It's really like an Ant-Man because it's... It's a palate cleanser. It's a palate cleanser. It's a it's a one-off. It's fun. It's frivolous. Um, yes, it adds a little bit more to the kind of the story, the lore, the galaxy, the continuity. But again, you can enjoy it. Just pop it on on a Sunday evening and you can enjoy it just on its own. Great. Actually, that is how I, I like my Star Wars is best on a Sunday evening. So that's the, the right kind of vibe, so I like that. And before we go on to talk about uh, the next movie, then, you know, obviously Solo, a Star Wars story, was the last Star Wars story movie, which I thought was a shame. I mean, I, I know they're now mining... The, the different story a, a potential within within the kind of com- existing continuity mainly as um, TV shows with diff- differing degrees of success but I did think there was lots of potential to just dig out um, exciting movies from from with, between the bits that we know the, the the existing movies I really desperately wanted them to do a movie set after the Empire Strikes Back that would carry on that feel of uh, a universe on the edge of doom, you know, because that's what Empire builds. And then Jedi, which is lovable in all kinds of ways, um, just unfortunately for me, takes that feel away straight away. Um, And I think... It would be it, uh, it would be nice to have a movie which was about some rebels who are not, you know, Luke and, and Leia and friends who are maybe not doing too well. Um, and also, you could have uh, you could have appearances from Darth Vader and um, and the Emperor who are at the most powerful um, and unstoppable in in Empire. So that's a really fertile. Um, area for for terrifying and exciting adventure stories i think so i did, i thought it was a shame that um you know we only really got two 
Star Wars story movies uh, because when Rogue One came out um, I, I, I was enthused with the possibilities of what they might do next um, and they, they've they kind of chosen a different approach by put, putting it mostly into TV shows. Sean, did you think the Star Wars story movies were um, a, a potentially good idea? Would you have liked to have seen more of them? Absolutely, I'd I'd have loved to have seen more. I think what they've learned, and the, and they've learned this kind of recently, is to stop announcing things until it's actually in production. And the problem that the the sequel trilogy and the the two standalone movies that we got so far uh, have is they are so tied into the release dates. It had to be done by this point on this schedule. Mm. Mm. And that's when you run into troubles because you don't have time to tell the story properly, right? Um, So I'm glad that they are taking a bit of a step back on the films and using the time to get those stories right. I'm really excited about the prospect of a Rogue Squadron movie because I love those books and those comics from the legends and okay. uh, continuity. And I I sincerely hope it still happens. I do know someone who works within Lucasfilm and they don't know where it's what the status is at the moment. The majority is um, is this focus on TV, and I think the reason for that is the the deadlines aren't they've they've been given the time to develop the shows hmm. and release them when they're ready, and obviously Disney Plus wants content turning over and it wants regular content, but they didn't rush into it, you know, and or season two. Um, has only just started production. Uh, they said right. there's, it, we're not going to do the same series this time next year. There will be a year-long wait. And they took the time to develop it. And um, and I think that's where the, what they're doing with the films now. So I think we will get more a Star, a Star Wars story films, for lack of a a better moniker for them um, but I, I will be patient for them and I think enjoy them all the more for it mm, very well said man it's an instinct <laughs> feeling the force brought together People will fight if we lead them. People keep telling me they know me. No one does. But I do. Long have I waited. And now... 
What are you doing there, 3PO? Taking one last look, sir, at my friends. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny. The next and indeed, as it stands, final Star Wars movie that came out at the end of 2019, The Rise of Skywalker. So, um, you gentlemen, after your effusions about The Last Jedi, how did you feel about... Actually, before we get into that, let's just remind ourselves of the context that this movie was made in. Mm. So, The Last Jedi had come out and been hugely divisive. Fans, or people calling themselves fans, had been very critical of specific elements of the, the movie. Uh, the, 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 the man who'd been hired to write and direct, or co-write and direct the follow-up, was suddenly fired. Uh, and uh, that was Colin Trevorrow, the Jurassic World helmer. Um, and he was replaced very late in the day by J.J. Abrams, who had directed The Force Awakens. And Abrams had um, the challenge ahead of him of, uh, firstly, completely writing a new script, because they didn't like Trevorrow's script, um, it, in a short time to meet that release date. But also, his lead actress had died, you know, two years before. Um, and so, uh, you know, Carrie Fisher very tragically passed away before The Last Jedi even came out. Um, and at the end of that movie, Leia is the only one of the three main legacy characters, I guess, of Han, Luke and Leia from the original trilogy, still alive, but the actual actress had passed away. So... Abrams and his co-writer Chris Terrio are presented with uh, crafting a story that, that will please this massively divided and antagonistic fandom who want totally different things from, from the trilogy and also uh, finding a way to give a satisfying end to the story of Leia without having the option of filming any new footage of her. Um, and it was known before the movie came out that they had found some footage that had been shot for The Force Awakens with Carrie Fisher, but not used. So they kind of recontextualized that footage and, and repurposed it um, for the new film. Um, and it was this... I, I remember feeling kind of intrigued, hugely intrigued, like... What are they going to pull out of this nightmare scenario? And then going along and watching the movie. Um, we'll start with you, Sean. How did you feel when you saw The Rise of Skywalker? 
I ended up going to see The Rise of Skywalker in the cinema twice. The first time, I liked it. But the same time, had issues with it. And so I went again to see it without that weight of expectation. It's like, I, I know what this film is now. And I want to go and watch it again and meet it on its own terms. As opposed to anything that I've built up about it. And um, I did like it more. I It's not my favourite Star Wars film. Because they had all those those challenges. I, I, I think... I think they 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 do a good job with the hand that they were dealt. And I think there is a lot to love in it. I, I think the third act actually is really good. I think from, you know, other than the debate about how, how it works, from Han's ghost turning up to the end, I think is actually a really solid film. And I think it... It works and they um, manage to uh, tie tie things together and it, it was fun. I just think it's, it, it actually needed to be longer. And I'm sure that people who hated it will be listening to this going, please no. But I think <laughs> there's story moments in it that had they just taking a bit more time to let let them breathe mm. and because it is so breathless in that first hour it is jumping all over the place yeah uh, with all this mystery box plotting that jj abrams is so famous for but once it actually focuses i i i think i think it's it's it works it but they 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 did have so many things to overcome um, when I yes. saw it the second time, that's little anecdote. In front of me was um, a dad and his two kids, his two sons, and to the right of me was uh, a proper anorak. Now we are all nerds here. We are all nerds and we can talk about this stuff all day. But this was one of those proper trousers up to up to here kind of uh, everything. Everything released after 1977 is rubbish kind of nerds. Right. And when the credits rolled, this guy just kind of went and just walked out. Right. The dad and his sons were taking selfies of the screen because they'd watched it together. And I remember like watching... Uh, a New Hope in the cinema with my dad, the special editions, because I, I was born just just after that Star Wars wave had crested. And until the special editions, obviously like there'd been the, Fra- the Fraun trilogy novels and interest was starting to peak up again. But, but um, until the, the special editions, I'd never seen Star Wars. So I have a lot of love for the special editions. Has all of it aged well? No. Were all of the changes amazing? No. But, there's also a lot of good stuff in, in, in that version of the film. And it was my first Star Wars. And it's a generation... I remember watching it with my dad in the cinema. I remember when my parents split up, they both took me to see The Phantom Menace. Um, because 
they they wanted to share that with me. Um, so to see that, I was like, because I was also the right age for the prequels. Do I have problems with the Rise of Skywalker or or the overall arc of the sequel trilogy? Yes. Is there a lot to love? Yeah. And I think there's also a whole generation that's going to grow up saying this was their Star Wars and they're going to love it. Mm. Um, so where do I sit on it? He says, having rambled on for f- four or five minutes. It It's one of those films that has so many great pieces that they don't all gel. But I don't hate it. I, I, I think it works. I just wish those circumstances as you explained before Dan hadn't limited them and they hadn't been so tied into hitting that Christmas release date they, they, yeah. they'd had more time I wish they'd just had more time uh, Sean I remember I was talking I think it was off mic when we did the previous podcast and we were discussing the fact that Carrie Fisher died and you said I, I'm very sad about the fact that I don't think we're ever going to see Leia holding a lightsaber now. And then that scene happens in The Rise of Skywalker. That was great. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I, I, I was so I excited. I think that's kind of symbolic about... Uh, or not, that. I think that's kind of, um, you know, typical of what the film does. I, I, re- I really enjoy it. I think all the things in it are, are, are kind of right i think you know i'm really glad that the last star wars film has uh either has mark hamill and it has harrison ford and carrie fisher they're all in it yeah not together not in the way that we might have ideally wanted but they are all there um there's loads of the things in it are lovely i love the fact that uh, the Emperor comes back in it, even though it makes no sense. And <laughs> but, it, it, but it does, right? A, a load of people always pick on that somehow Palpatine returned line. Right. But kind of what else was he going to say? But then it's also, is explained. It's, it, uh, the Sith history guys, like, cloning dark science. All of those things pre-existed within Star Wars lore. And mm. really... It's basically sort of an adaptation of Dark Empire, the the nineties comic, right? It had already kind of been done. I don't remember anyone complaining about Dark Empire at the time. <laughs> okay, but um, but maybe that's because I don't know. We we just like to see our heroes kick ass. But that brought back Boba Fett. It brought back the Emperor, clone empires. I had Luke turning to the dark side in that comic. You know, I I haven't read it, but I did hear an audio adaptation of it. Um, uh, yes, uh, uh, like you said, um, I think that m- the things in The Rise of Skywalker, a lot of the ones that I find um, unpalatable, it's because they've not had time to breathe or they've not been set up ideally. So I don't. I I, lo- I want um, Sidious to come back. It was maybe the way they explained it or didn't that that that, that kind of rankled with me. Uh, yeah, but then do you yeah, want a film uh, to stop for ten yes. minutes and do a here's the science slideshow? It's like, does it matter how it happened? It happened. That's the important thing. Um. Uh, 
Yeah, but well, what I'd ideally like, Sean, is if the previous films had kind of set up that that would might have been on its way. That's fair. Yeah, I th- I th- I agree. And you- also, like you know, the the character of Snoke. Um, you know, they never even give us a line to explain the relationship between. Uh, you know, you 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 are. Uh, you can infer things about cloning and stuff, but, but they don't have time to go into it. But if we'd known who Snoke was in the first place, it might have been mm. e- e- easier to, to kind of link those things together. What were you going to say, Dan? Uh, well, I was going to say it was it was explained, but in a very unusual place. It was explained within the video game Fortnite. Oh, yes. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh don't, don't worry. I remembered. Uh, so all that kind of dark history and the cloning and stuff. And and Sean's absolutely right. That is in the comics. It does happen. He does clone his bodies and various other things. Um, but I think my main issue is J.J. Abrams, after all the films came out, he went, yeah, I never really had a plan. And I'm like... Right. like I, I, Force, Force Awakens is fine, but it is a bit of a rehash of no, New Hope. I did mm-hmm. kind of like, I was like, for the first like half of that film, I was like, I know we're not here to dis- discuss that, but I was like, right, get to the new sh- new stuff, new characters, new places, new adventures, mm-hmm. new, you know, technological marvel. Show me the new stuff. And towards the end, it did start going in that way. Um, with this, my my biggest problem is that the first 30 minutes of the film is a retcon of the previous film. Yeah. So we learn we learn that um Palpatine's alive and Snoke was a clone. We learn that um Ray was not the the daughter of nobody's. Mm. You know, basically everything that the fans hated about the previous film, they went, "Oh, oh, look, some of the fans." Okay, sorry. Some of yeah, the fans. Okay. Yeah. And okay. also a Jedi's <laughs> weapon a large... deserves more respect. Yeah, uh, a so a a subset of the fans, let's say, whatever. So yeah. the the let's say the the loudest and most obnoxious part of the mm. fandom, maybe. Yeah, and the and the potentially misogynistic <laughs> part of the fan base and the racist part of the fan base. Don't forget. Oh, I have the, real problems with sidelining sidelining oh, the yeah. characters like yes those. that is yeah. real problem. that as well yeah, yeah. that that's i think that was a very that that was another one of the retcons i forgot that's a good point um that was a that was a big deal to me um because she wasn't supported in her with her issues at the disney seemed to only be doing that now taking a stand with all the racism and and stuff which i i think is shocking they didn't take a stand earlier i don't know why but yeah um but anyway it, it for me that that was the most annoying thing those choices that they made in the previous film they should have stuck with they should not have bowed to the fan complaints they should have gone no that's the story that's canon we, we've got to roll with that that has been done we can't reverse it carry on um and i would have respected that more but the fact that they went back on almost everything they the decisions they make mm. and the storytelling uh, just it, it just irked me. Um, again, I don't hate this film. I don't. I don't think it's the you know. I've, I've seen, no. You see the type of films I cover on my podcast. It's certainly not the worst film I've ever seen. Um, but uh, yeah, the worst things. I, I don't know how that kind of dagger works. You know. It, it, oh yeah. In regards to the Death Star there's, falling, there's lots of MacGuffins. Um, yeah. I mean, it has led to some exciting extra stuff. Like sure. the Mandalorian is. 
is already kind of touching on because they have this lovely gap now where they can fill in the in some of the backstories. So yeah. the Mandalorian has all, already started touching on em, Empire's secret cloning facilities and mm. and stuff like that. And uh, Adam Christopher's Shadow of the Sith novel also fills in some gaps, and, and that's fine. Um, what what's just occurred to me is it's the Spider Man three of Star Wars. Like yes. Spider Man three has individually has some really good bits in it, but if because they decided the fans wanted Venom, basically, and and I say this as as a fan, never listen to the fans. The only mm. time that's ever worked out is when they redesigned Sonic. Right. Yeah, fair point. Because that first Sonic was was awful, right? But but just tell the story that you you set out to tell instead of trying to kowtow to cuz that's cuz that's the thing about the prequels, right? Love them or hate them, George Lucas set out to tell that story and he told the story that he wanted to tell. And the only thing that he really listened to the audience on was he he sidelined Jar Jar, right? He mm. uh, that but otherwise he told the story he wanted to tell. And, you know, he did have a plan. Um, and I think that is the, the, the problem with the, the prequels is... Uh, so the sequels is... Don't listen to the fans. Certainly don't listen to the people who do go on and make 12-hour YouTube videos about how this should have happened. It's like... Mm. And again, mm. I'm aware that this is discourse. and We're all part of this show. Sure. But, um, yeah, it's... Just, just set out and, and and tell, tell the story that that you wanted to, as opposed to what impossible expectations. They knew they were going to make three films, at least a rough outline, at the bare minimum, a rough outline of kind of where it was going to go. I'm sure there's going to be edits and changes and alterations and things, but if you just say this is pretty set for the most part. And then and then follow that, and then other directors can come in and alter or change and adjust, um, you know. But like, come on, like it's a multi-million-dollar franchise with a lot of love and a lot of care and attention that needs to go into it. And you don't think, oh, maybe we should, maybe I don't know, think about it before we, you know, go ahead. I, re- I remember um, I, f- I felt bad for John Boyega as well because I think he's he's a great actor. I think he's a, I think he had an interesting character in the first one. There's there's the stuff I really like about about Finn himself, and this whole film he's like Ray. I need I really need to talk to you, Ray. I really need to talk to you. I've got something to tell you. I need to tell you this. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Get, stop doing what you're doing. I need to tell you this, and he never does. And and I was like and I was like, what is so important? Mm. And and they never address it, they never say I'm like and I was either right, one it's one of two things. He's oh three things. He's either in love with her, he's either force user, which I would I would just be like I imagine that conversation would go, Oh, I'm force sensitive. Great. Uh, <laughs> and the, <laughs> the other only the only other thing I could think it would be was that he was gay. Um, because they because they make it out to be something that is personal and sensitive to him, and there'd been a lot of fan discussion about a potential uh, gay moment or a gay kiss in the film, uh, which again people were like rah, 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 about. Um, 
and we and some people have, have you know have shipped you know um Finn and Poe together. Yeah. yeah, and that's and that's fine and, and that would have been interesting. I, I could I could kind of see that happening in a sense. Um and there's nothing wrong with that. I think I think there is there should be gay content in Star Wars, LGBTQ plus content in Star Wars. Um and we are getting that yeah. now. We are getting Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Um which is great. Um yeah, it, it feels like there were lessons learned with the sequels. And one was don't rush. Two was tell the story that you want and trust the filmmakers. Hmm. Uh, again, that hasn't always happened. I think some of the TV shows have also had ha- had some issues with hmm. that. But and 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 also tell and represent more diverse characters. And and there is. You know there is an LGB, there's a there's a background character, but it's like it should have been more front and center, really. Uh, it it's that kind of lip service under under done. Just do it, uh, Sean. Uh, um, I want to ask you something. It will, will be kind of our closing thought because I'm aware that we're we're kind of coming to the end of our time. But I just want to ask you because I sense that you are possibly the most keyed in to the the production history of the recent movies is it now um an acknowledged truth then that they did not have a plan when they were making the the sequel trilogy of where the story would go because i seem to remember at least in early publicity they were talking about the first film will be jj abrams kind of just setting out uh, bringing back the characters and setting up the universe but then I'm sure at one point Ryan Johnson was announced to not just be writing and directing The Last Jedi but also writing the third one so he would kind of know where it was going um, but then that that all seemed to change was any of that true what, do you know what the real case was? I, my understanding is that um, that production schedule was just too tight that there was no way that Ryan Johnson could have done the third one straight off off the bat because he he would have had to been making it during this at the same time. Right. Okay. Because Ryan Johnson was writing the Force Awakens, no, so it was writing the Last Jedi whilst they were making the Force Awakens, and I I believe he had just said, "You do, can you just get to this point? This is literally right what what he needed." Um. And I've I've seen because they they leaked well someone leaked uh, the treatment or or some of the script for the the Colin Trevorrow version, uh, which was going to be called Jewel of the Fates. Nice. Uh, which mm. would have been would would have been a fun title. Um, to be honest, it 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 also doesn't. Some some elements from from Trevorrow's story kind of still exist in the Rise of Skywalker, um, but apparently there was also like a he was going to set up Ray and Poe and and a, a lot of stuff that people right. like, that wouldn't have worked. So yeah, I I don't think they necessarily had. Other than maybe some broad, broad ideas, as as tight a plan as they probably should have, I think they probably needed a, a Kevin 
Feige kind of overseer, um, which is kind of what Dave Filoni is for for not all of the TV stuff, but for a chunk of the TV stuff. Um, he's kind of got his own little part of the universe and and, and is, is kind of pretty camped out in that now. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, as, as far as I'm aware, not as planned out as it probably should have been. Um, obviously, there were things they couldn't predict, like Carrie Fisher sadly passing away. Um, hmm. at, at the point where, because the third film was always going to be Carrie's film. That first one was Han's film. Hmm. This was second one was Luke's film. That was going to be Leia's film. And sadly, I think that that's where the plan was, and I think that's when the plan fell apart. Hmm. Was 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 when. Was right. when Carrie passed, and and they kind of had mm. to abandon what they had been setting up, um, because they'd kind of then got themselves into this corner they couldn't get out of. Yeah, bit of a nightmare. Um, but um, you are uh, right to point out the, the the great things that are in those movies, and you know this discussion has made me want to go back and watch them again uh, more than I thought I would. I did really like Force Awakens. I did really like The Last Jedi. I thought both of them were flawed, but I, I liked them. I quite liked The Rise of Skywalker. But I kind of thought it, it left me with a sense that oh, it was all pointless, wasn't it? So therefore, I'll just pretend those films didn't exist. Um, but on the other hand, they have created uh, a large kind of um, uh, lacunae within the Star Wars universe of what the hell happened in those 30 years between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens? What happened? And therefore, shall we tell stories about that? And and they seem to be fruitfully exploiting that. I think as my final note, then I will go back to, you know, the whole inspiration for this podcast in the first place, which was that those actors um, in Star Wars, Lee and Cushing and the kind of actors who appear, um, I feel like something a bit frustrating about the the sequel trilogy, one, one of the number of frustrations, was that it took them three movies to realise that they really need arch, semi-camp veteran British actors playing villains and of course they did bring Rich D. Grant and that was wonderful, but I so wish he'd been in all three mm. films And don't forget Aid Edmondson uh, Aid oh Edmondson yeah. in The Last Jedi I mean, I love the fact that he was in it but I, I do kind of think yeah, he's a great actor, and, and I'm, I was glad he was there, but also he's not quite from the same area of uh, tradition of the, the same tradition of British acting mm-hmm. that people like Cushing, Lee, and Julian Glover uh, were. But I mean, it it makes it, it makes some sense because he was Eddie Hitler, so it makes sense that he would become a, a fascist. So, <laughs> but but also that generation, that era of kind of British character actors doesn't exist in the same way anymore. I don't think we have... Because, we, you know, we don't have rep theatre. We don't have these these sort of names that do turn up in those 
parts. And if, if they do, it's... I mean, it's not that they don't. I think, like, Fiona Shaw in, in Andor kind of is is filling that, that role. And... Yeah, uh, well, no, I think... Well, the, this is my, my quick response to that, is I think that be, we do, we're getting that generation back mm. because we've now had Doctor Who for 15 years and that produces those kind of actors. But... Um, before that, that, there was a gap of 15 years with no Doctor Who. So, you know, British actors did sitcoms and soap operas um, and everything kind of died away. But now we are building a tradition of um, of British fantasy and British horror movies again, out of which uh, wonderful people are like that. Why, why is Mark Gatiss not in any of these movies, for instance? Um, but I think in Andor particularly, um, you do see a lot of those kind of actors who have a feel for the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, Anton Lesser, for instance, as well, who's, you know, mainly known for playing crusty police chiefs and things. But, you know, the first thing I ever saw him in was playing an alien in Jed Mercurio's Invasion Earth in the late 90s so um you know there are there are people with with the right kind of history um uh they i think they it's just taken the star wars producers a few years to get the taste back to know what to look for i think and and we're getting there now um i hope but i do feel very sad that david warner passed away this year without ever having appeared in star wars in any form i think i think it might be the only genre Mm-hmm. Uh, label that he didn't appear in. No, he did. He was in an animation, wasn't he? I'm, I'm going to do a quick Google because I I, fi- oh, I remember it? having the exact same thought. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, he was in a video game. He did the oh, okay. voice of yeah. uh, a, an Imperial general in Star Wars Force Commander, which sadly is no longer canon. So there is that. But it was a Star Wars right, strategy so, game yeah. because because oh, I well. remember when when he passed, going, "It is mad that he was never in Star Wars." Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he he did do some some voice acting for Star Wars, and if you Google that game, uh, you you can hear him in 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 the cutscenes that are on YouTube. Oh, okay, yeah. well, I'm going to do that. Maybe we can repurpose that audio and put it in a movie somewhere. We'll discuss your insubordination. I, I love bringing actors back from the dead in, in, in bizarre and faintly distasteful ways, to be honest. So um, you, mean like, you mean like Peter Cushing that, in Rogue that's, One? That's essentially my jam, which brings us full circle. Guys, we've overrun. We've had far too much fun. We could go on for forever frankly on this topic and i hope we will get the chance once again to indulge ourselves but it has been wonderful sean thank you so much for for, for always c- a coming pleasure. and rejoining us for this spider dan bless you sir for being part of this as well and um uh, yes let's all get back together and discuss the whole new era of star wars on tv that that came with the advent of Disney Plus, which we haven't even really been able to touch upon this time. But at least we've now got to the point where we actually have covered every single Star Wars movie on this. Yes, podcast. sir. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I'm no, I'm no replacement for Howard in any way. Um, but I am, I'm glad I was here, and it's been a lot of fun. And uh, you know, I love Star Wars, even the stuff I'm critical of. Uh, you know, it still has a special place in my heart. 
Wonderful gentlemen. You're both men of good taste and excellence. Listener, I, I hope you've enjoyed this discussion of Star Wars recorded across six years. We'll be back with something similar soon. You have been listening to And Now the Podcast Starts. Produced and released by Ambidextrous Solutions Limited. Presented by T.D. Velasquez. With special guests Sean Mason and Spider Dan. Special thanks to Greg Hume for our original theme music and to Brian Gorman for our original artwork. All dialogue and music clips from films, TV shows, and trailers are used for the purposes of criticism in the spirit of fair dealing as defined in UK law and fair use as defined in US law. No copyright infringement is intended. Please visit our home on the web www.andnowpodcast.com for more content and contact details. Or visit our Facebook pages at andnowpod or at leecushingpod. Follow us on Twitter at andnowpodcast or at leecushingpodcast. If you'd like to donate to us, please visit patreon.com forward slash andnowpodcast. And now, the podcast stops.